Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boantic people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest today is Rachel Larson-Weaver. Rachel is a photographer and an artist educator living on the Maryland beaches of the Chesapeake Bay in the United States. And she's a mother to five children. Rachel enjoyed writing as a child and she was always a reader. She studied a Masters of Fine Arts in Creative Writing in college. Creative nonfiction and writing personal essays was her passion. She spent 10 years as a teacher and in her current life calls back to this in her mentoring roles. When her third son was born, Rachel wanted to start a blog and in an effort to provide good quality pictures, she bought a camera and her passion for photography was ignited. She was inspired to improve the quality of her photos and soon she was approached to take photos for others. Rachel delved into studying photography as an art form and heavily invested herself in researching photography, seeking mentors and improving her knowledge. Her style of photography is reflective, deeply embedded in storytelling and through her long form sessions, where she spends days with her clients in their homes, she's finding the joy in the hidden and messy places. She's about helping others see the beauty in themselves, the days, families and worlds they create, and the homes that hold them. Her firm belief is that self-love and self-celebration are not reserved for the thin, white, young, able-bodied, cisgendered female. She creates environments for people to be seen and to be heard. Rachel is so passionate about sharing everybody and leads by example with her own self-portrait projects. She has worked hard on self-acceptance and encourages others to do the same through her Finding Myself in Portraits project. Her portfolio and practice is fat-affirming, mindful and genuine, focusing on the life and light of her clients. Rachel travels the country documenting mothers, bodies and details. Her unique ability to call people home to themselves, their bodies and their passions and their worlds is precisely the gift made manifest in her photo work. By grounding into presence and remaining stubborn in her commitment to joy, Rachel brings a clear sense of purpose and humour to her life and her work with clients. The music you'll hear today is from my ambient new age music trio called Alem Joe, made up of myself, my sister Emma Anderson and her husband John. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. 
Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's lovely to meet you. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Alison. Yeah, you're in Maryland, Maryland. <laughs> no, oh, good job. Yeah, you, it, yeah, we say Maryland. Maryland. Like not, yeah, Maryland. <laughs> um, whereabouts is that? Sorry, forgive me. My geography is not great. It's on the east coast of the U of the U.S. It's the state that Washington D.C., the capital, mm -hmm. got chopped out of. Ah. Like basically, Washington D.C. is in Maryland's region. Yeah. Okay. That, I know. I know where you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um. What What happened there? Why did they do that? <laughs> so I was like kind of central coast when it was the thirteen colonies, yeah. and originally Virginia had given P a piece too because that's the state right below us yeah. and it was a perfect square but then Virginia took back their piece I think during the Civil War ah. um, when they joined the Confederacy so yeah. now it's just like the piece out of Maryland. That's funny isn't it um, yeah <laughs> and when when I read that you're on Chesapeake Bay which is really cool because um, I've been we we're massive fans of the Hamilton musical. And um, oh. there's a bit where they go, Chesapeake Bay. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> so I've never met anyone from our, Chesapeake our Bay. shout out. Excellent. <laughs> what time is it? What day is it for you? Tuesday? Uh, it's Tuesday and it's 10 a.m. Yep. So gotcha. beautiful. Where? What? What is it for you there? It's 7.30 p.m. Monday. On Monday. Yeah, cool. There yeah. you go. That's one of the things I love about doing this. It's just like I used to have a lot of pen pals when I was a kid and I was always fascinated by <laughs> what the weather was like where they lived and what time it was, you know, all that sort of yeah. stuff. I love I love it. It's so cool. <laughs> We're both at like transitional seasons right now, right? Oh, yeah. Because you're going into spring, so it feels like well, we're, not we're, extreme. Yeah, so we're halfway like spring's officially started, but we're, we're going to start summer next month. Um, so we're like, it almost feels like it's gone back to autumn now. It's really weird. The mornings are really cold, but then the sun comes out and it's beautiful. But then it starts raining. It's like it's, we're in a mishmash of everything right now. It's bizarre. What part of Australia are you? So I'm in Mount Gambia, which is right down the bottom um, in South Australia, it's almost like there's a border between South Australia and Victoria, and I'm about 10 minutes from that, 10 minutes drive. Gotcha. So I'm right, almost, almost at the coast, probably half an hour from the coast. So, yeah, it's an interesting place because we get a lot of, like, the weather comes across, like, the, ta the Tasman Strait is, like, freezing cold. So we get all that weird weather. But then sometimes in summer we get the northerly winds, and it's boiling hot, like 40 degrees Celsius. I don't, sorry, I don't know what that is in your in really Fahrenheit. Hot. I know, yeah, it's hot, fine. Like super yeah. hot. And we'll have days of that on end, but then it'll just go back to like, I don't know. It's really weird, really weird. Because you have more seasons than Northern Australia. Yeah, we're really distinct. Like up yeah. there, they have like a wet season, a dry season, pretty much. They, I don't think they yeah. dispense with the traditional, you know, summer, autumn, winter, and yeah. spring or fall. You call it fall over there. Yeah, <laughs> we call it either. It's allowed. It's actually cool watching all these because um, I follow, <clears throat> follow a lot of people from America, and it's like it's sweater weather and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> oh, that was a good American accent there too. <laughs> I love it. Everyone's getting like their pumpkin spice lattes. And oh god, I love it. <laughs> Thank you.
So you're a photographer. Can you share with us what you do, how you got into it? Tell us all about what you do. So originally my like creative medium, uh, what I studied in college and what I started my MFA, do you, you have MFAs and I'll show you, that translates, right? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes. Uh, was in, was in creative writing. And so writing was really my focus, um, creative nonfiction in particular, like writing personal essays. Um, but when my third son was born, I wanted to start a blog. I like felt like a, I don't know, it was the time where everybody had a blog. And I was like, <laughs> I want a blog too. And if you have a blog, you need pictures or nobody's going to read your blog. So I bought a camera really just so that I could have pictures for my blog. And because the writing was the part I was more excited about. And it's sort of, then I wanted my pictures for the blog to be better. And then people started <laughs> around me started asking like, well, can you take my family pictures or, you know, friends that were having low key weddings that, that, that all of a sudden photography was a bigger thing. And as soon as people started to want to pay me, I felt an obligation to like, get good at it. <laughs> and I was like, if somebody wants me to do this, I want to, and I really dug into studying photography as an art form. Like I feel very dedicated to photography. I spend a lot of time uh, and money buying monographs. I love to have books of photographers work. I spend a lot of time studying that. I try to go to exhibits as often as I can, mm. knowing kind of the history of it and who the, the founding folks that have built something like I, that's a lot of my energy. And I mm. like to look into it because I think it kind of helps keep you from Instagram trends or especially since photography is so easily shareable and it's easy I feel like it's kind of easy to fall into mm. thinking of it as a social media content creative mm. thing and that's not how I see it I want to make an image that does not just exist for social media yeah um, and I feel like it gives a lot of legitimacy to it because you understand it, you know, like it's like someone studying, the, you know, their art form, like if they paint a particular way, they study all the greats from that style or whatever, you know, you're really invested in it. And, and, you, and you said monetary wise too, but you know, you're, you're really into it. You're not just like, click, 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 put it on Instagram, you know, hashtag, whatever. It's yeah. like <laughs> a real, it's a real passion. <laughs> and, and I can like nerd out so hard. I like <laughs> do like I love books I love studying and so I would be a student for the rest of my life if I could figure out a way to afford to do that so I really do feel like a student of photography at this stage and it really I think does help to create things that feel be like I said beyond what is of this moment one of mm. the things that I really think studying that other work when I'm just looking at social media as my inspiration, the things that do well on a really small screen that you're kind of passing by quickly aren't the same images that I want to return to again and again when public, like when I'm looking at larger and in a book. And so it helps mm. kind of realign me to my purpose to be looking at the thing that I'm trying to create rather yeah. than the thing that's easy to consume. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. I saw, it's just reminded me of something I saw the other day, someone, oh, I'm not going to remember what it was, but it was literally about that, um, the popularity 
of Instagram, you know, we can forget what's driving us because we get the likes and the comments or whatever. And that, you know, our dopamine brain goes, oh, that's exciting. Everyone likes yeah. me. But then, as you said, like, that this is not going to be an era that lasts forever. You know, <laughs> this, this will be yeah. a little blip on the radar. And already people are getting back to printing. You know, there's a photographer I know here in Mount Gambia who gets all her film her things printed on films like she's got a film camera now she's gone back to the olden days olden days that's everything I do I I shoot everything on film yeah and Um, it's wonderful you know and same thing with people getting back to records you know that physical we're we're sort of like rejecting this mass consumption of instant stuff and we're going back to the important things so I think you're right not just you know focusing on what's popular now but the things that have stood the test of time and you know, we'll stand the test of time, the things that you're creating now. That's what I want to use as kind of my measuring tool. You know, I mm. and I, it can't be like, I mean, how many people do you know that are on Instagram right now that are like so frustrated with that it wasn't what it used to be? And, mm. and so I feel like it doesn't frustrate me deeply because I don't feel a huge attachment. Like mm. I'm a pretty active user of it and I like it. And I, but yeah. it, I, it isn't the end all be all for me. And so I can yeah. kind of have a certain, like, you know, casualness with it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something else that reminds me. Sorry, I'll do this a lot. Things will remind me and I'll oh, just, like off, I'll go. <laughs> um, and then I'll probably cut it out later. Cause I'll realize that I'm just, you know, rambling. Um, but yeah, <laughs> somebody, somebody posted recently, they were leaving Instagram because they weren't happy with one that somebody else actually owns their content you know we don't own the stuff we put on Instagram it could disappear at any moment um and two obviously now with the changes in algorithm they're controlling what people see so they were like come and join my email list you know come to my website getting people back to that you know I I used to work in a plant nursery and we used to when people would come past the till and you'd say oh would you like to join our email list you know the old the old thing of writing down your email and it seemed so pointless and dorky but it's like that's what people are getting back to now you know this that people have had a realization I send a Monday night newsletter it will go out it's funny we're recording Monday night my time Mm -hmm. it'll go out in a half an hour it's become my biggest driver of business it feels like my biggest creative outlet Mm -hmm. like I'm mostly excited about people coming to Instagram so then I can get them to my newsletter because it was sort of like my first love too. It gives me a space to do that. Mm-hmm. I get to share the images that I want without censorship. It, yes. it feels like a different investment to people who like choose to read that newsletter that they open it up on Monday night. It feels like a ritual for some people, mm. or maybe I'm just, <laughs> but I'm like giving you this thing and they're like, cool, Rachel. Just, but but I think too, like, that's your intention behind it. You know, it's not something that you can just scroll on, you know, it's a thing that is a special thing that people have chosen to be a part of. And that's the thing you want them to appreciate. This is your, this is your special way of reaching out, you know? Yeah. And it's really, I think partly having that does make me feel a little less freaked out by the algorithm. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, okay, it's going to be all right. The people, because the people who are most interested in working with me, they've already, they're already over there. They're following, they're keeping in touch with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we underestimate as, I mean, 
I know some art artists are less in like the direct marketing, maybe that so many like uh, portrait photographers, mm -hmm. we use Instagram to get business maybe in a way that's different than some of your guests. Like when you have musicians and mm -hmm. yeah. authors, it can be kind of a different relationship. Yeah. So I'd like to go back to this beginning for you with the writing. Were you always into writing as a kid growing up? Yeah, that's probably the thing that I, it's probably the career I most often return to. I mean, I've wanted mm -hmm. to be so many things throughout the course of my life, <laughs> like, but I think writing frequently was a thing that I returned to as something that I loved. Um, I've always been a reader. I've always been a writer. Um but it was interesting to me because, as I said, creative nonfiction was my my main genre. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it makes the transition into the type of photography that I create feels sort of in that same um, in that same genre that I mm -hmm. want to, you know, there are so many conceptual photographers that I really love that I kind of like when they're kind of playing with surrealism or, you know what I mean, that they're yeah. they're doing things that are kind of abstract or they're doing things that feel like deeply creative mm. and I love it and I'm inspired by it but that isn't the thing that I seek to create yeah. uh, I think back on um on one of my creative writing professors which sort of adorably my oldest is in college right now and she has this professor who was oh. like my favorite professor because she's going to the same university um, and it's his last semester teaching. Anyhow. Oh, just, that's brilliant. Um, but, yeah. yeah. And one of the things he had said about creative nonfiction was you can write in any detail that you need to in your piece. And it doesn't have to be true. Like you don't have to remember what they were wearing as long as it could be true. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what is the thing that Allison might, would be wearing or would be eating or, and so- I think about that a lot when I'm taking pictures. It's not that I'm pure documentary. I mm -hmm. don't mind moving the situation or changing it, but I still want it to feel in the realm of, could that be true? Yeah. If it's not like true for a mom to be like hanging around naked in her kitchen with her children, where I like see lots of like kind of beautiful or then like, I don't want to make that picture. Mm. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, but if you are a lady that likes to hang around in your undies and your, you know, big t-shirt, then that is interesting to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, that's sort of like, I see how that writing background, how the, how the details that I was most interested in, like that, that that's then what I become interested in, in pictures. Mm. Um, I feel like there's, a real overlap between the writing I like and the photographs I like and try to make. Yeah, that is so interesting. Um, so would you describe your style of photography as documentary style or what's the best way to describe it? Oh, I, for a person who loves words, I hate trying to 
to figure out like what the word is for it yeah because I don't it's not pure documentary because I feel like I am fine with adjusting the thing like I often think about Sally Mann who's one of my you know favorite photographers that I look up to there's a picture where uh she has a bite mark on her arm and it's called Jesse Bites it's Mm -hmm. and her son was Jesse but she bit herself for that photo (laughs) Like uh, Jesse okay. was in a biting phase, yep. apparently, but and like she wanted to make the image, but she was like, "This could be true, but it's not." So anyhow, mm. so documentary feels like there's sort of a commitment to you don't alter the situation, and I'm not afraid to alter it so that it can, in the period of time that we need to, tell the truth that we need it to. Mm. But it's not lifestyle photography. It's not portrait photography. Yeah. So it's kind of a mix between conceptual and documentary, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it could be um, because <laughs> if we think of the concept just being how much truth can we try to tell as fast as we can? I mean, which is funny that I say as fast as we can, because I my preferred way to shoot is long form sessions, mm-hmm. which are 24 hour photo experiences where I like come into somebody's home and I stay with them for a full 24 hours oh wow yeah so even when I say but you're still trying to tell a whole family of a story or a whole story of the family even though 24 hours is so much longer there's still so much story to tell Mm. yeah it's still Um, a short period of time in the whole scheme there's that part of me that keeps thinking like how long could I make these go (laughs) like because I wish I had a week sometimes you know what I mean like to make a body of work that feels like oh this could be its own book this could be its own show like how Mm -hmm. could this family you know to show the nuances of it and the the different relationships and how they shift in and out that's sort of my fantasy wow I this is groundbreaking you're the first person I've spoken to or first person I've heard of that does this this is amazing like to spend that amount of time. I love it. No, it's, it's really in my mind. Yeah. Because you really get to like, you know, I I sleep in their house. I eat their meals with them. I wake up with them. I go, and yeah. because I say it's at least 24 hours, sometimes because I'm flying places or driving. Like this weekend, I'll be driving down the coast. So, you know, I'll spend Friday night with them, shoot all day Saturday, and then go home on Sunday. Yeah. You really like, you're seeing what how you know how the sausage is made I don't know if that's an expression that you use in Australia oh yeah (laughs) um you know what I mean like you're in there Mm. um and I love it it's like (laughs) voyeurism at its best it's so exciting I like fascinating yeah it's a it's also interesting sort of the backstory on it Mm. about a year and a half ago like so many photographers I like needed to make a buck as we often do. And I was offering like motherhood mini sessions. And I had a friend who was on the other side of the country who had done it so beautifully and pulled it off. And I was like, yo, was it okay? I'm just going to like copy your (laughs) and see how it happens. (laughs) And it flopped, like it did not do very well. And I had that moment of like, oh, I don't think that this is what people want from me. Mm-hmm. I don't make portraits quickly. You know, even the way I was normally running sessions, it, I 
I had a realization like I think people want longer not less time I think people Mm. want to really get to show what's going on that we want to be validated in the work that we're doing in the in the thick of it Mm. so I like got my act together and I started long form sessions and I booked more long form sessions that were like nearly 10 times the price of a mini session I booked more yeah. long form sessions than I had mini sessions yeah like right. that yeah. was the thing that people want that's what they want yeah and it was different than what other people were offering yeah yeah but isn't that interesting though that it's like when you stay true to yourself like that authenticness uh, and I'm not you know I'm not being rude to you at all because I think we all do it. And I certainly know I've yeah. done it with this podcast. You see how someone does it and you think, oh, that looks good. I'll do that. Yeah. And it was probably great that it flopped because it went, well, hang on a I'm minute. I'm so grateful. That's so not grateful. me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it was a, and I think it's just the reminder, especially for like creative entrepreneurs that we try a thing and like the next thing that could be super wildly successful for you can just be around the corner. And the more that we lean into the piece that we're really good at, the part that feels the most aligned with the work that we're supposed to be making. Mm. But it takes, you know, it's a little bit hard sometimes to like brush off your bruised ego when you're like, oh God, like everybody else seems to be doing this so well. And I tried it and nope, like I had a real moment like that dark night where you're like, Mm. am I just supposed to quit photography? Like, I don't. Yeah, yeah, you question everything, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you did. You got going. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I had already, I mean, the big thing was my oldest daughter was about to go to college and I needed to make more money than I had been making. So I thought <laughs> many sessions might provide that. And it didn't. And yeah. so you, but this has been, and so creatively fulfilling. It is, mm. it is the work that I want to be making. It's in the, speed one of the things about because I do shoot completely film I can't like film needs more light than digital photography Mm -hmm. in low light situations I can't be shooting very easily like I can do a flash but that kind of changes the nature of it you know um so it's not like 24 hours of a camera in your face Mm -hmm. you know it ebbs and flows and that it'll be like let's do this thing and then it kind of settles back down Maybe the babies are taking a nap or whatever. And then like you kind of, the desire to like make kind of bubbles back up. (laughs) You do like, you know what I mean? It kind of feels like almost three sessions over the course of the day with Mm. some clicking in between, but it, I don't know, the flow of it is so perfect and deeply exciting to me. Yeah. Oh, I just love it. This is an awesome thing. I've never heard before. And I'm so like, I feel like energized. I don't know if, if anybody in Australia does this, can you please get in touch with me? Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds amazing. So when you're in people's homes, like you say how, you know, that it sort of ebbs and flows, are you spending a lot of time watching these people? You know, that must be a passion for you to, I don't want to say analyze people, but you know, you're picking up the nuances you're seeing, you know, and your focus is on, you know, the mothering role. Yeah. Is that part of it interesting to you too? Sort of the dynamics and how people are interacting? Absolutely. I mean, and maybe that's like a little bit the writer in me too, that I'm like, Mm -hmm. like to listen to the stories that I, 
I don't know. I feel like my friends and my family at this point, they like hearing about sort of the adventures of it. And there's yeah. no like, uh, it's not, I'm not a priest or a doctor or a lawyer. I'll just tell your business to my husband once I'm done. No. <laughs> there's no confidentiality agreement. JK. Um, but I, <laughs> but I will say I am not a fly on the wall sort of that's the other thing that makes me feel like not a documentary photographer sometimes mm -hmm. I'm engaging we're talking I'm trying to through what you're saying too when you're speaking to like what your motherhood experience is what your experience because I mean it is primarily mothers I have done some sessions with couples I had one woman who was a single woman that had me come and do a long form and it was so wonderful to see how somebody crafts a day mm -hmm. you know it was there was like really special moments where she was like bringing out a 50 year old vacuum cleaner that had been her great grandmother's that was like part of her like saturday ritual you know what i mean oh, like yeah. things that you're like oh this is what your day your life is like um but anyhow so so the conversation is helping lead me to like what i think we should create as well mm -hmm. that i'm not strictly observing it's pretty um it's pretty dynamic mm. and does feel kind of collaborative in yeah that way. yeah exactly like you're not standing back and letting them go and just click 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 it's you're involved yeah. and talking about things and yeah oh I love it oh you've just blown my mind honestly oh, that is just magic and that actually explains now why your photos are so amazing because I had a look on your website as I do before I speak to my guests yeah. <laughs> and it also explains why your writing is amazing on your website because you're a writer and that all makes sense now <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Your photos are so, I don't know how to describe them. They're just delightful and divine. And the, the, the story that they tell is so significant. Like I, I mean, back in the day, I used to do wedding photography because I loved, I love the detail of stuff. Like I took a lot of yeah. photos of people's, you know, fingers and faces and, and there wasn't a lot of you know, let's all stand up and take a photo of everybody. Yeah. I love that detail. And I feel like this, this, your photos, they tell so much, you know, there's so much there, but it's, oh, I can't describe it in words. I'm not, I'm not as good with words as you are, but you know, that I don't know how to describe it. And you can tell, I think the passion that you have for what you do, like seriously comes out because you couldn't just go click, click, click and get these photos. You know, there's a, it makes sense now. It all makes sense. <laughs> There's a, one of my favorite podcast episodes, like of all time. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell has a podcast because I just like Ma Malcolm Gladwell's writing so much. Yeah. Uh, revisionist history. And there's one, I think it's called King of Tears, but it talks about how country music, one of the reasons that like country music breaks your heart is because it's so specific. And maybe we kind of like used to make fun of it, like mm -hmm. dog, dad, that like sort of trope. Yeah. But 
but those like real specific details like through that I think it speaks more to like the universal than anything else Mm -hmm. and so that is often like what I'm looking for it's funny I've had like (laughs) portfolio reviews and critiques and not everybody loves it the way I do (laughs) that they're like you should have moved that out of the frame or whatever but for me it's those like messy bits that feel I don't know that they give it the depth and the nuance um, Mm. that I mean and I still want it to be pretty that's that's one of the things sometimes I see strict documentary photography and it's I don't know in the s in the attempt to tell a story truthfully I don't I don't know that they're not always beauty isn't as much of an aim and maybe I'm Mm -hmm. like a little superficial I do want it to have that and I also do think people the clients who are hiring me they want to see themselves in in an honest way but like their best (laughs) (laughs) I mean like you still want to feel like beautiful and attractive in in that even if it is complicated and you know yes I think yeah I think yeah exactly you can show you the realness but then within that adjust it to I mean the person's got to look at it and like it too at the end of the day don't they they don't want to look go oh this is so cringy I don't like looking at this photo of myself you know it's got to have that balance I think yeah yeah first started taking photos did you have any influence or did you just go intuitively into this is the style of photo that you're taking no I one of the things uh I do not think I'm a very natural photographer (laughs) I've worked really hard at it there are other things that I feel like have come to me more it's one of the reasons that I kind of like mentoring is -hmm. because I'm like oh I think I could tell you how to do this even if you're not like naturally good at it, because I like, yeah. I have put my time in, I have studied, it was something that I wanted to be good at. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't know that I'm very, so there was influence. And early on, um, like, I also believe a lot in like, finding mentors and teachers who can help you along the way. Early on, when I was like, getting hired, all of a sudden to take pictures. And I was like, well, one thing I realized, because this was before I was doing long form sessions, when I was taking a picture of my children, which is what was showing up in my blog, I was clicking when the light was beautiful, when the moment had come, Mm -hmm. when it had sort of naturally appeared. Well, now all of a sudden I had one hour in somebody's house and I didn't know how to like make that moment happen. Mm, You know what I mean? It, It was so your natural tendency then is to like start posing them into groups because they're like, well, I don't know what to do. And, I, and they're looking at you kind of like, what do we do now? Yeah, um, yeah. And so that's when I found, I like did the research and found somebody who I thought was making family photography that felt deep and rich and um, not like the the pictures I was seeing everywhere. And mm. I went to one of her workshops and in the years since, we've just developed a 
a relationship that turned friendship and that it was somebody that has really helped guide. And I recognize the importance of that, that I think, yeah. you know, having somebody to look at your work and be able to give it an honest critique. And I've tried other mentors and programs. I've seen sometimes that you're like, oh, that was not my person. Like they're, mm, yeah, what oh, they're yeah. telling me about my work doesn't actually resonate when you're saying that. I felt like confrontational and like, mm -hmm. no, you can't tell me to remove that picture. So anyhow, you find yeah. a person that vision aligns with yours and they help you to amplify your voice. Mm. And I think that that is a really, that was a really powerful part of my growth and learning. Yeah. And so that's what drives you to help others then, because it's like you can pass on, like you said, if you're not a natural at it, I've got some tips yeah. how you can do it because that was me, yeah. you know, it's authentic. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and it's funny. I was saying to my husband, I was like, I actually think I might be more of a natural teacher than a photographer because <laughs> um, I taught in public schools in the U.S. for eight years. And then yeah, right. for two years, I did an online school class that was doing almost daily Zoom calls for two years during the pandemic. Like I have a oh, lot of- wow teaching experience yeah so sometimes when I'll do mentoring sessions and people will say like that was so wonderful I've done lots of these this felt like the best use of my money that I've ever done mm -hmm. and sometimes I'm like didn't I just say the things that like anybody <laughs> would say like to me that's where yeah. I'm like I think everything I said was sort of like obvious but you realize that maybe <laughs> that's the piece that comes more naturally yeah. And I guess hearing things like you could hear the same thing 20 times, 20 different people, but it's not until maybe you connect with that person, you resonate with that person. And then, you know, you allow yourself to hear it. You know what I mean? Or till you're yeah, ready was, to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause also like if your friend who you feel like doesn't know anything about pictures is like, that's your best picture. You might be like, yeah, who says like, whatever you're mm. an accountant. Like, yeah. What do you I know? know? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, I love that. Now, I want to mention some really amazing things about what drives you to take these pictures right and I'm going to take some direct quotes off your website okay which I love um it says self-love and self-celebration are not reserved only for the thin white young cisgendered able-bodied female when I read that I was just like go girl like <laughs> I feel like there's so many of us that are, because we've you know, we might have grown up with magazines with the airbrushed people on the covers and then the social media shoving thin people down our throats. It's like you just feel so unworthy of being in front of a camera or wanting to be in front of a camera. You know, it's just like you read that and you go, yes, I feel heard, I feel seen. <laughs> well, and like one of the things that I think has made me excited about photography, like before I wanted to be a photographer, one of the things you know, I said there were lots of jobs and ideas that I would imagine, but mm -hmm. I felt like this draw, like, I don't know, that the work was supposed to be 
sort of about something and about something more that there's supposed to be an aspect of like activism or charity or like mm -hmm. that was so something much of the, and sometimes I felt like I think maybe I wouldn't allow myself to consider being an artist because I was like oh well that seems like an almost selfish pursuit I'm not saying that I agree with these ideas now but you know this was like my but one of the things that I realized like as an image creator as a person who makes images that you wield a lot of power in like what you show and where you show beauty and how you expand a definition of beauty and mm -hmm. how you allow other people to feel seen and heard and accepted when i was a kid and i've always had a big body like i never it was never easy to buy clothing i could never share clothing with my friends i mm -hmm. always felt like the fattest kid in the class because I was the fattest kid in the class, like just in truth, that was just fact. Yeah. I I thought when I didn't see people like me in TV or movies or magazines or catalogs, I didn't think that that the problem was them and representation. Mm. I thought that the problem was me. And if I could just make myself thinner and different, then I deserved to be represented. Mm -hmm. And like that's bullshit. And so now that I have like a little bit of a platform, a little bit of a way to make images, a little bit of a way, a way to share those, I'm like, and I had to start, it's why one of the reasons I'm like pretty passionate about self-portraiture mm -hmm. because I wanted people of different sizes and abilities and bodies to hire me. And I felt yeah. like, well, I have to start by showing mine. Like, mm. I feel like it's one of those things that especially photographers if you want to be telling people like I want you to feel comfortable in your body you kind of have to like walk the walk and prove it a little like they mm -hmm. can see through your bs mm -hmm. and so if you haven't really done the work to love and accept yourself the best thing yeah. I can do is model that and then yeah. when I show up I kind of show up and I give people permission to be like oh yes I get to do this too. Yeah. It probably makes your clients feel more comfortable to be themselves because they know they're with someone who has done the same thing. You can just yeah. relax and it almost feels like a camaraderie that, okay, you know, I've done this, you can do this, you know, and you feel empowered, I guess. I mean, that's definitely what I want. One of, one of the stories I tell sometimes, one of the bad mentoring experience, I went and paid for a mentorship with a wedding photographer when that weddings were still a bigger part of my, my work. Mm -hmm. And I really loved her editing and her low light, the way she did things. This was before I was shooting film either. Yeah. But when I showed up to meet with her, the first thing she said to me was that I should not have plus size bodies on my portfolio or Instagram. Oh. It was like particularly shocking. I thought to tell straight to a plus size person. <laughs> that I was like, oh, did you, you like, think did you like walk out right then? <laughs> no, because I had spent like $800 and I had dreamed it all. Else? And I was like, do you know what I mean? It was one of those times where you were like, oh, uh, what? Like we hadn't mm. even started, we had like gone to get a cup of coffee. We hadn't even started the mentorship yet. Oh. And I was like, what? But you know, also how hard is it to like learn once you feel really shut down? Oh but yeah. Actually, it was one of those things that was really invigorating for me. It yeah. was so like a screw that. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that is absolutely, I will use my, like I said, my limited influence, my limited platform to be like, that is not the story I'm yeah. telling.
I would love if that person could actually see what you're doing now that she would just get a shock of how yeah. amazing it is and how wonderful it is and appreciate it. <laughs> I know though. Uh, it's funny. I had seen that at some point during the pandemic, mm. that this person had been hired by a brand to shoot a plus size model. And it made me so mad that I was like, I, I think okay. this woman is like entirely fat phobic. And oh. now she's like, because she's being paid for this specific yeah, thing. Like yeah. it made my blood boil. Cause I was like, mm. oh, that poor body in front mm. of her lens that isn't actually loved. That isn't like she, there, she is yeah. not seeing the beauty in that person. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't believe it. But isn't that um, an amazing gift from the universe though, to say the thing that you're most afraid of for whatever reason, there's got to be something that's going on in that woman's life. Here it is. And you can have some yeah. money for doing it. And she would have been so conflicted. She would have been, do yeah. I need money or do I need to not do this? Yeah. You know, yeah. like how awesome is that? <laughs> no, it is. It isn't like I want to. Oh my God. To have been a fly on the wall in that circumstance. But you wonder though, I would love to know now if that, if, if that changed her at all, if she in yeah. some way developed an appreciation for a body that's not the typical norm, which actually I would argue that we probably are more norm than what, like, you know, how yeah. the, the size of clothes, the, the you know, the average size of clothes, the most popular size of clothes that gets sold in Australia is a 14, which I mean, 14s aren't yeah. super small, but you know, it's up, it's yeah. off the other end of, you know, the eight, 10, 12, you know, so, yeah. you know, our bodies are like I, the normal <laughs> Well, and one of the things I also realized, and I, that I always had this idea that if I could achieve this certain thing, then I would feel beautiful. Mm. And I realized I met all of these beautiful, stunning humans, and they didn't necessarily feel that they were beautiful. Yeah. And I realized that there was actually like no direct correlation between how someone looked and how they felt about their own self and their own body. And yeah. I was sort of like, well, if there's no correlation, I might as well just decide I love myself and yeah. this is great because like, it seems like, you know, if people can do it the other way, then I'm just gonna, and also mm. I've always just wanted to be like a little weirder than I am. <laughs> like I'm actually like more, ba and I was like, you know what? I think my ticket will be is I'm just gonna be the woman who loves herself. Like, and, and But I, how know, bad is that, that that is groundbreaking? You know, is that I mean, bad or what? That that's what yeah. society's come to. But a little no. bit like photography, it was something that I had to work on. I had mm -hmm. always loved me as a person, but I didn't love the body that I was in. Mm -hmm. Like, and I thought that my body was sort of unimportant in the grand scheme of things. I was like, oh, it's okay. I love my spirit. I love my soul. I love my personality. I love my intellect. It, my body is just like the bag that carries that around. Mm. And one thing that had recently sort of occurred to me, no one thinks it's, because it almost seems shallow to care about bodies, mm. but nobody thinks it's shallow to think that a mountain is beautiful or a flower or a sunset. Like there are all sorts mm. of other physical forms that we get excited about. Like, yeah. why can't I be excited about my physical form or yours? Like, you know. Yeah. Like when when you're saying that, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, I don't know what era, I'm not a, I'm not a, an art person. I don't understand a lot about things in art, but, you know, in some time in art, people yeah. were painting bigger bodies, you know, they were luxurious and, you know, I can just have this image in my mind yeah. of, you know, like luxuriating on a, 
reclined uh-huh. something, you know, and they were celebrated. You know, even the, what's the one that's coming out of the, yeah like she's not a size two you know like yeah you know when did we get to the is it all about this selling like advertising and um you know making money and capitalism is that that switch that's gone off some in some point in the world I mean I'm even thinking about in Mad Men because that's one of my favorite tv shows love that show so much you know Joan bigger bust round white like you know she had a really gorgeous figure hourglass figure she was you know craved by the men you know and you had all these little stick figure like Peggy and whoever running around who people couldn't give a toss about but then at what point did it actually go um no we need the thinnest person possible and that's all we want it's bizarre the thing that feels important to me is to be like that thin woman is beautiful that round woman is beautiful. Yes. That older woman is beautiful. That black woman is beautiful. That like that that the person with the moles, the person with the hair, the person with the freckles, the person with the stretch marks. Like mm-hmm. I just want, I want more beauty in my life. So I just want to keep expanding the definition bigger and bigger so that it also holds me, but that it holds so many people because then I get to experience more beauty. And like I am a glutton for beauty I am totally a hedonist I love pleasure I love (laughs) looking at things that I'm like yeah that's good yeah so like I just want to be like how come there has always felt like there has been some control over women's bodies Mm -hmm. no matter which way maybe it's about thinness or maybe it was about that oh you shouldn't be too strong you should look like this or Mm -hmm. youth or like what does fertility look like whatever those things are I just want to like say bs to all of it to be Mm -hmm. like there is so many ways for a thing to be beautiful and i'm i'm not interested in just seeing one flower like why would i just be interested in seeing one body type yeah i love that and i'm not like yeah Yeah. and it reminds me too because i I actually had this conversation um with someone on the podcast about why we're drawn to beauty but beauty is literally in the eye of the beholder because i love dead flowers you know, dead flowers aren't yeah. meant to be beautiful. They're dead. But the color, the roses, when they die, their color comes out in a different way. And they, I, I don't throw them away. I just have them all around me because I just love yeah. them. You know, this, yeah, who decides what's beautiful, you know? One of my, like, one of my favorite concepts, and there's a book I return to a lot, uh, Wabi Sabi for artists, designers, philosophers, and poets, I think. That's yeah. the, anyhow, it is... Uh, you know, it's a little, it's a small little like treatise on the idea of wabi-sabi and the idea of like the beautiful and like the imperfect, the in, let's think, the imperfect, the impermanent, and one other thing that I can't think of at this moment. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm with you. When we start to see beauty as like the full cycle of life, mm-hmm. that even in the death that there's beautiful, when we start to see that like, that that whole, that that it comes in every part of the cycle. Like we've just expanded how much beauty we get to experience. And like, we don't have to hold on so tight to the beauty that we think exists in this moment to be like, you know what? The next one is good. And when that flower rots, it becomes more flowers. And that's Mm. also beautiful. Like it will feed the ground. Yeah. cycle. Cycle of life. I love that. Love it.
You're listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. That brings me to to talking about there's a, sorry, I'm just going to bring it up on your website so I can say the right thing. Um, Finding myself in portraits, a self-love guide disguised as a (laughs) self-portrait primer. So this, I guess, is your way of saying, encouraging people to, you know, accept themselves, find their beauty and, you know, this is the medium through which you will work through some things, I guess. (laughs) One of the things like in that digital guide, I don't like, I see self-portraiture as being one of the ways that we can access like a self-love, self-care routine. I -hmm. don't think, I think to just start taking pictures of yourself without like having some of the intention behind it with some of the practice, it can be I don't, you know, it doesn't have the same meaning in the same depth. And meanwhile, Mm. like you can definitely have like a self-love practice, a self-acceptance practice that doesn't involve self-portraiture, but I just like the way that they come together. One of the reasons that I started with self-portraiture was thinking, I want to show different bodies. I guess I have to start with mine. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of a hard reckoning at first. At first you see pictures of your body and you're like, what the heck? I I was so used to the image that I saw in a mirror that mm-hmm. I could adjust yeah. so that I could see yep. myself. The way, you know how we all oh, have yeah. our mirror faces, our mirror poses and like, yeah. but then I was making self-portraits and I was seeing things that I had hidden from my own view. I did not know myself mm. completely and fully. And at first it was shocking, Yeah. but like now I know me so well, like it doesn't surprise me when I see those things like Mm -hmm. she is familiar to me I know where her bumps are and her cracks and her lines and her dimples and you know I and I have a loving acceptance of her and that has been a real powerful tool for me to be like Mm. you know can you think of all the times that like your friend shows you a picture of yourself and you're like good god oh yeah yeah Yeah. at this point I can be like yeah, I sometimes make that expression under those circumstances, but it's okay because I also can do this thing. Like, yeah. and everyone I love, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, even the people I love very much, I don't always think that they're like the hottest person in the world. Like, mm. yeah, it, doesn't yeah, yeah. Mean, it doesn't mean that I don't see like their flaws or, but it does mean that like as a whole, I love and accept them and I, you know, see mm. the beauty in them. I don't think that loving yourself has to mean that you don't see some of that and recognize that, but to say like, oh, I'm still worthy of my love, Mm. stretch marks and all. Exactly. Yeah. And and this concept of, you mentioned it earlier briefly, that we have to wait until a certain time before we're happy. You know, we have to lose the kilos or we have to, I can't even think of another example. That's the only thing I've ever had in my head. You know, until this happens, until I get to this way or till I can fit in that dress, I won't be happy. You know, you just put your yeah. life on hold. And there's so many industries that just tap into that, you know, the you know, fitness industry. Yeah. Like I used to work in the fitness industry for many years. Toxic as hell. When you're in it, you don't really yeah. see it, but you get out of it and you think, oh, my Lord, you know, it should that be outlawed. Just, I, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that that was like really painful. You don't even realize that it's going on, that you're like, but again, because I think we often just think it's about ourselves and like, we're the problem. Mm. What they're doing isn't the problem. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, that's I a mean, powerful way of looking at it. Yeah. But I think when I think about like, it can't be the other thing. And, and like you, it's always easy for me to think about it in terms of weight. Cause that had always sort of been my thing, but I realized <laughs> other people, they think that maybe that Botox, or they <laughs> think that if their hair is different or if they're you know, yeah, they've got yeah. what they, there's just a million ways to feel uncomfortable in your body. And we have yeah. been sold for so, I mean, yeah. one thing that I have to say is I do think that that is changing to some extent, like, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I encourage in that guide, one of the, I talk about this sometimes in other places, consider what media you're consuming. If everything on your Instagram feed is thin white heterosexual women mm. of a certain age you need to diversify that if all mm. of the tv and all of the movies if everywhere you're buying clothing from kind of makes you feel bad because you don't see your body represented in it mm-hmm. there are ways to not do that anymore yeah like there are i love when i'm watching television shows and they tend to be like a little more on the arty side but when you're seeing skin that looks re- like real skin mm-hmm. there's a tv show i don't know if it made it to australia betty it's like a skater girl not sure all right so there's skateboarders down. in yeah. in new york the first season was like new york in the summer and it was just like so beautiful i mean the cinematography of it was beautiful mm-hmm. it was interesting to me at one point there's a character that just had lots of acne on his face yeah there was no mention of it it wasn't a part yeah. of the storyline he wasn't yeah. being made fun of for it it was just like yeah, here's some real skin. And it just was treated as normal. And it was so fascinating to me how that made me feel that I was Mm. like, that is exciting. Yeah. You don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's shocking, isn't it? it, Yeah, it was shocking. I remember the first time I saw a catalog where I saw like boob stretch marks and it was like on a plus size model. They'd always had plus size models. Yeah. But I was like, my literal thought was, oh, somebody messed up. They forgot to airbrush that. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they're going to get in trouble. Like, yeah. like somehow that had like passed by mm. editors because it was so novel to me at the time that I was yeah. like, you're not supposed to say that. Yeah. I actually feel like it's one of these moments that's happening now is that advertisers have realized that we want to see normal bodies. And it's, I mean, certainly the, the things that I see anyway, it's, it's so noticeable now that it's just becoming normal. You know, like when I yeah. first saw, I remember saying, um, oh, it was some, it was a, like some rolls over the top of a pair of undies in an undies yeah. ad. And it was just like, oh, I wonder if they meant to do, like same thing, did, yeah. was, did that yeah. go through somehow? Um, but now it's everywhere and it's like it's becoming so normal that it's not a big deal. And I think that's really important that when it stops like, the acne it stops being shocking yeah. it, st- it stops being out of the ordinary then that's really good you know that's where things yeah. have really changed you know yeah yeah and and I feel excited for younger generations mm. like I I'm it's interesting because I know that people give social media a lot of a hard time and the effect that it's having on our teens mm-hmm. In part because my oldest, my 17-year-old daughter, like, I don't know, the part of TikTok and Instagram that she seems to be interested in is like fat, 
you know, queer people yeah. of color content creators. So like she isn't, I mean, there is a way to that has given mm. marginalized voices a platform. Yes. And I think that that yeah. could be exciting and that like we need to remember that that is also happening um, yeah. in a way that I think is really powerful. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I think, yeah, and certainly a lot of the conversations I've had on this on this podcast is like, you know, in, Instagram and I, I mean, I'm not on Facebook a lot now, but and I'm not on TikTok because I feel like that's just another thing for me to sit yeah, and no, scroll. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not doing counting, that. Yeah. Oh God, but you know, Instagram, it's it's got its place. You know, or my, you know, people I speak to mostly have a business, so it, you know, you've. You, you feel like you've got to be on there to get yourself out and then we're so quick to bag it oh it shows this and shows that but you're right if you shift your focus and you say right I'm not seeing what I want to see seek out the things you want to see because they are there like you said the yeah. these marginalized voices they are there and they're trying really hard to be heard um and that's interesting you say about your daughter I think a lot of the time we don't give our kids enough credit for actually how switched on they are about the world you know I think yeah. we're coming at it from our world of you know we're all on social media now but we didn't grow up with it so we we've been through this era of fear about it and you know the predators and the whatever so we can come at it from that which obviously is important yeah. I'm not diminishing that at all but we can come at it from that fear perspective um but like my example of my son um who's 14 and oh, he got onto I reckon he got onto Facebook once as I said, oh, you can't be on it till you're 13 or whatever. And he didn't yeah. tell me that he'd been on it. And so I had this conversation. Oh, you know, you got to tell me if you're doing this stuff. And, I, you know, I don't mind you doing it, but tell me. He goes, oh, yeah, I was on it for about 10 minutes. And I thought, this is a load of shit. So I uninstalled it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and he has this very, I don't want to say jaded view, but he's very questioning about why people do what they do on these platforms. You know, he sees the girls at school particular groups who record the TikTok dances. So he's like, oh, I'm not going on there because all they do is those stupid dances. You know, like kids yeah. aren't stupid, you know, and they're quite capable at times, you know, to make their decisions and say, this is what I want to consume, probably more so than what we are, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've read a lot of things that it's like millennials spend more time on their phones than Gen Zers do. And I feel like, the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a lot of maybe we're giving them a hard time <laughs> yeah. in places I'm not saying that that there aren't mental health consequences mm -hmm. for some people but I think some of the conversations shouldn't be whether this is good or bad but like mm -hmm. how are you going to use it what are you going to do with it yes what and like have those conversations rather than just acting like the only conversation is what what platforms are you on and how much are you on there yeah. Like, yeah. For what purpose? What are you trying to get out of it? Who are you seeing? Like, you know, exactly. those are, and yeah. I don't, you know, there's also how you get to have all sorts of meaningful conversations, especially with your tweens and teens <laughs> getting older. I yeah. think to be, yeah. to show some interest in those places opens up a lot of conversations. Mm. Now on that, we should talk about your children. Let's mention that you do have children. Um, tell us, uh, how many do you have? Uh, five. Oh, 
wow. So they really, yeah, they, they run the age gamut. There's awesome. Uh, yeah. So I have a 17 year old, a 15 year old, a nine year old, a seven year old, and a three year old. Oh, beautiful. I mean, one of the things I live in the same small town that I grew up mm-hmm. and within like, I'm one of six kids and five of us still live within a two mile radius. Yeah. My mom is Love here. My, gr- my dad, my grandma, yeah. my aunt, my cousins, like, you know, there's six soon to be seven nieces and nephews who, you know, so one thing about having a big family is just that I have such a support network that I don't think mm-hmm. everybody has. Yeah. That's so true. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Having five, it would take a lot of time to do things with five children. You need that support. Well, well, and also my kids are so spread out in age. It really helps. Mm -hmm. Uh, My oldest is home from college this weekend. But like, you know, if we're about to go somewhere, she's helping get the three-year-old dress or they're entertaining. Mm. You know what I mean? There's, because I do so much traveling for work these days where I'm going away to shoot these long form sessions. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you know, my 15 year old is babe is watching his younger siblings. We live really close to the Chesapeake Bay. So he'll like take them to the beach or take them to playgrounds and kind of, yeah. you know, help do things while my husband's working. Anyhow, so it's really, a mm. it's deeply a family affair. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're like really team players about mm. it. That's awesome. That's something I wanted yeah. to ask you actually about, you know, having your children see what you do for them to see you as I put this in air quotes more than just mom because we're never just mom yeah no I mean I I am not like a martyr by nature (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I love mothering I love my kids there's but like I I didn't want that to be my whole identity like there's other things that matter to me and I'm okay with them realizing like we do things with each other and for each other and we go hard as a team. And also we get to have our own lives and our own passions. And I want Mm -hmm. you to see that like, I'm going to pursue those, especially because my oldest is um, like you, she wants to be a songwriter. Um, (laughs) That's right. Cause that's your yeah I, medium yeah well yes that I mean I have a day job but my my love my first my first yeah. love is music yes <laughs> yeah and and I feel like I've shown her like this is how like you are gritty and you work and you like keep going and the you know I like and we talk about those things and how you market and how you network and how like mm-hmm. because if you want a career in arts mm-hmm. Either you're going to have to have a day job and it's like more a hobby, but if you want a career in it, like you're going to have to hustle. It's a lot of work. It's a hard slog. Yeah. yeah. There's much easier ways to make a dollar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, it's the constant pull, isn't it? It's like the creativeness is always there. And it's like, like I'll be at uh, my day jobs with children. I work in the kindergartens here in Mount Gambia and you know, you're thinking of stuff. You always got that that brain on and you're like oh that's yeah. a good tune and I'm quickly running to the toilet and record it in my phone you know like it, it doesn't turn yeah. off you know yeah that's, yeah you'd be the same <laughs> I, I I really love that visual <laughs> yeah. all of the details I live for yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god
So with your travelling, you said you'd, you'd go away a lot to do these long-form sessions. How do you sit with the concept of mum guilt? What is that? It, does that even exist in your world? I feel I feel more guilty that I'm going to say I don't think it does. Good. Mostly because I feel, I'm like, mom, okay, so one thing to know about me, I got pregnant with my first, I was only 19 years old when I found out I was pregnant. I was not with my husband and I were not together at that point. Mm -hmm. It was like totally an accident and it was not planned. And so I sort of was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to like try my best. But there was a part of me that maybe because I wasn't like a thing that I had planned and gone to, into real intentionally at the beginning mm -hmm. that I was like, we're, we're in this together. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to gonna give it the old college try uh but mm. i don't know that in some ways i think it's what has been my saving grace though mm -hmm. that it has been like i'm pretty good at presence and trying to decide like if this is what's in front of me i want to make the most of it and have a but to some extent i feel that way about my kids too like mm. <laughs> this is the mom you were dealt <laughs> and she loves you fiercely and there are things she is great at and there are things that she is not and one of the things that is important to me is I try to find a moment moments of deep presence with my kids that I'm paying attention that I'm listening that I'm there with them mm -hmm. and I do not hold myself to a standard that that has to be all day every day mm. I think that some I think that sometimes moms act like if I'm not giving them everything which none of us are even capable of mm -hmm. then they're then they're feeling guilty every time they pick up the phone where mm -hmm. I would much rather kind of have like a clear delineation of like you got your time and now I'm having my time and that's okay yes um yes but I don't have to be your everything mm -hmm. and you're not going to be my everything oh I hear here yes Round of applause. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like that that's something that I am really strong on is like I'm not going to leave behind the Allison that I was before I happened to have children. It hasn't made me a completely different person. Obviously, I've changed. Of course, we all yeah. change. We be, and even if we don't have children, three periods of our lives, yeah. we change. But just because I have these little people here does not mean that I stop and everything I've ever done is just wiped from the page because I am now a mother and I want my children in a respectful and kind way to understand that I am still me. And when they rush in here and say, I need this, I need this, I need this. And I've just spent, you know, two hours playing out the back or whatever. And yeah. go, actually right now I'm right in the middle of something that I'd really like to finish. Um, come back to me in 10 minutes, you know, and there is nothing wrong with saying no, that. Yeah. You know, don't we like... want to teach our kids that they get to have like some boundary and mm -hmm. like that everybody doesn't stop the, the world. <laughs> One of the books that was like super influential when I was pregnant with my first. <laughs> yeah. I have not watched a lot of Oprah since, but at the time I was like <laughs> watching a lot of Oprah and I was a little depressed during lots of the pregnancy. But I yeah. remember there was a book called Confessions of a Slacker Mom. I wish I remember <laughs> who the writer was, yeah. but I like loved that book it did mm -hmm. give me a certain permission because it was talking kind of about the benefit of being a slacker mom that doesn't jump at your kids every whim mm -hmm. and because like what good are we doing for them those little mm -hmm. shits they're gonna think like yeah. everything's about them like that is not yes helpful. you're actually doing them a disservice yeah by sending them out into the world thinking that you know 
everything revolves around them. Yeah. No. So like, oh. yeah. Wait your turn. You, we'll figure it out. And yeah. and but then there. I mean, I like family dinner is really important to me. Mm-hmm. That's like something that I love. I don't mind the emotional labor of the fact that I'm like the one who buys most of the groceries in the house, that I'm the one who prepares most of the food, that like dinner is sort of my domain. And it's a thing that I give to my family because it's important. And that's a time where like we do come together and we, and then I don't mind that I like leave the dishes for them and then come up (laughs) here and this record this podcast with you. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's it's like it. I'm like now it's my time. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's so important for you know your children to see that because they're going to take that into their life. You know, I feel like you know my parents was not it, it wasn't like this. You know, I felt like if we wanted something, you know, they did it for us. There wasn't I, I don't know. It's like it's a different a different time I think of setting boundaries and saying, "Hang on a sec." You know, particularly women you know, this is not okay for us, you know, and I'm putting my hand up as I say this, it's like, no, actually, this is not okay. Now is the time that this is going to change. And we pass that on to the next generation, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Because how many of us have mothers that we love so deeply, but we're thinking, I wish you had Mm -hmm. kept more for yourself. I wish that you, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you thought you were doing it all for us, but like, I want you to have you know, the people we love, we want them to have held on to that. So yeah. really we're doing our kids a great service to hold on to a piece as oh, when they're adults, absolutely. they're not going to feel <clears throat> like we depend on them in the same way. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's says a woman who sees her mother every day and I absolutely depend on. So I don't know. Call <laughs> hey. me my bullshit. <laughs> I, I'm the uh, same. I've got my family here, you know, my mum and dad here. Yeah. I was the same thing. I was born in this town. I have no reason yeah. to leave, leave this town. My sister literally lives around the corner. You know, she's yeah. just over there. Um, but you know, that um that family thing, I don't know, that support. I'd be I'd be stuffed without it. I couldn't do half the things I do if I didn't have mum, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I want them to know that like, hey, you can stay and you can do this, but like I'm gonna be okay either way. Mm. Like My happiness does not rely on your constant presence necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, I I mean, and I've gotten, especially because my first isn't in at home in the same way Mm -hmm. when I realized like, oh no, there's still like a really meaningful, deep connection that we can have even when we're not seeing each other daily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now I've had a visitor speaking of family. Come and say hello. I'll just take this out. Is this the bagpiper? This is Rachel. No, this This is is not the bagpiper. This one's a little. No, this is little. This is Digby. (laughs) Hi, Digby. Hello. How old are you, Digby? How old are you? Seven. Is that a bit louder? Seven. Oh, I heard. I've got a seven-year-old, too. I'm tiny. How are you going? Do you need something in particular, or are you coming in to say hi? All right. Yeah. (laughs) See ya. See ya, I'll be out soon, okay? Thank you. <laughs> Come on, off you go. <laughs> Look at his little face. <laughs> that way. <Yeah. laughs> All right, there we go. Yeah. See how see how we go for the next. Yeah, I, that's how we make it work. It's the art of being a mom. <laughs> Have you read this book? Has been like one of my favorite books this week or this year. Mm-hmm. Baby on the Fire Escape 
Oh, no, I don't know that one. Okay, so I'm writing this The Art down. of Being a Mom. So this is, it's a book that looks at different mother artists, mostly that were born in about like the 1900s because they wanted to look at like the whole course of their career. Yeah. But yeah. one of the things that they see the power of interruptions like yeah. all mothers it's the thing that like both our daily work and also yep. the trajectory of our careers get yes. interrupted by childbirth by mm -hmm. all of these things but also like the daily when we're trying to like record a podcast and like, anyhow it's a great mm. read and it's like really inspiring i'm reading that one down i'm gonna check that yeah. out i love that because i mean it's, it's inescapable isn't it like it's just you can't split yourself in two you you just you're no, always you're gonna on. be in a <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the myth of uh, multitasking. Oh. You can only single task back and forth and yeah, and something's always being interrupted. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention that I thought was really relevant of the way that you photograph is that um, you're talking about being present helps you with your lack of mum guilt, which is awesome. I think yeah. we can all take something from that. Um, like you can only do what you do in that moment and there's actually no point thinking it later because you can't change the past, all that sort of philosophy. But yeah. the presence in the imperfections, you know, life's messy and that's what it is you know <laughs> um, you know I think the way that you photograph it shows real life I know we've, we've sort of talked about this in other ways but oh, I don't know there's just so much to be said for that acceptance in the moment this is who I am this is what's happening and that can really give you peace I think that you just go I did what I did I've done what I've done end of story yeah that like and I know that that can be easier said than done, but Absolutely. I do think it's the kind of thing that takes some practice. And I think, you know, that that there are things that we could do to to work on the release and to, you know, m one of the things that I talk about sort of frequently, like in my newsletter and things like that, is when is coming back into my senses as often as possible when I'm mm -hmm. feeling like I've. I'm moving out to be like, okay, my feet feel like this on the ground and my clothing feels like this. And this is what I'm mm -hmm. smelling. This is what I'm seeing. One of the practices and presence that I also like try to do, especially when things are starting to feel really chaotic is I, uh, it's kind of like a gratitude journal, but I call mm -hmm. it poetic sparks where I'm just trying to like notice to spend my day, like noticing the little bits of beauty, no matter what else is happening. And then that I write them down because it then helps like when I know that I'm going to write it down, I hold on to them differently. And then I also get to experience them a second time in the writing. And then mm. maybe I even get to experience them a third or a fourth time if I revisit that writing. Yeah. And, and yep. you remember it in a different way that it becomes less fleeting, but it does help me kind of just ground back into it. And also to realize like it would be things that are very sterile aren't where I find the most beauty. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? The things that it feel 
mo- the most perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. Most interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that then, you know, sense. that gives yeah. me an acceptance to be like, actually, like, when I'm in really like beautiful, perfectly styled, super clean, super minimal homes, mm-hmm. I find it less exciting than like seeing mm-hmm. the things that are left by the front door and like what story does that tell and what does yeah. the like what did the dirty dishes on the counter like what do they hint at? Mm. I don't know. And all of those things then let me yeah. be a bigger slob in my own home. <laughs> I'm like it's cute. It's whimsically disheveled. It's a whole aesthetic. Oh my god, I love yeah. that. That's the new. The, that's hashtag. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. that. Yeah, um, but the another thing. Sorry, I keep referring to things you've written, but they're just they're powerful things. The joy in the mundane, and that is something that um, reminded me immediately. There was a guest I had on um, last season. Or was it early this year? I can't remember. Um, Monica Crowley is an Irish artist. She's a printmaker and a painter. And she is really similar in the way that she looks at her art. It's like you're going to be at, at, at the sink washing dishes a lot as a mother and to actually find the joy in that. And she she created this entire artwork of all the experiences that she had standing at the sink and doing the dishes. I feel yeah. like we can get really caught up in celebrating the big things that happen but in the meantime we're actually just living our lives and we're missing the life that's happening in front of us because we're waiting for some big event or whatever you know it's existing and happening right in front of us I feel like we diminish that yeah if like if we're just waiting for our vacation especially if you are in the U.S. we don't even get the vacations that you Australians get so like you get a lot less of it if like if that's if every week is just being waited, if we're just waiting on the weekend, mm-hmm. that's a whole lot of life to not be appreciating. And yeah. like, so I want to be able to say like, what can I do in the moment of folding laundry, which is like definitely my least favorite <laughs> chore. Uh, if you could see the pile of clean laundry that is to the right of me right now, it's like, <laughs> it's like been worked on today and it's knee high. That's no. <laughs> like it is significant. But, if in that moment what can I what pleasure can I can I get from it and if I can't get pleasure from it is there a way that I can add something to it is there like music I can listen to or a podcast or if Mm -hmm. I ask my husband to come in and help me and then we're talking while we're doing it like what can happen so that this doesn't feel miserable Mm. and like just a chore that I have to do I'm like always trying I'm always trying to hack my joy <laughs> to be like, yeah. could this be more fun? Because I want it I to be more that. fun. Yeah. Yes. And we are in control of that. And I think that harks back to what you said earlier, that you don't have a martyr mentality at all. It's not like, well, here I am suffering again, doing this folding of washing. Yeah. You know, it's like, right, how can I turn this around? And that's a really powerful thing to first recognize and then actually yeah. to go and do, you know, you're in control of how you want to feel, which is powerful. You know? Yeah. Love that. Love it.
I feel like we could talk for hours I know, this about was this very stuff. easy. This was this is so a fun. Very fun conversation. Oh, now I have to tell you about when you were talking earlier about artists, uh, sorry, particularly photography, when you want to portray something you know, you've got to be that authentic yourself, you know, acceptance of your body and showing yourself. There's a photographer here in Mount Gambia. Her name's um, Louise Agnew. And I think you would love oh, her name, stuff. That name she, feels familiar. Yeah, she had. She was a guest on my podcast a little while ago, but she shows herself in raw, vulnerable, and she's yeah. incredibly inspirational. Oh, I'm looking at her work right now. I love yeah. it. Yes. And I think that especially in a town like, you know, small town mentality, everyone's judging everyone else. What's that person doing? Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, she's got this platform and she's, you know, projecting this stuff and it's influencing a lot of people and making a lot of people feel really comfortable in their own skin. Um, so, yeah, I was going to say, if you don't know her, she's a really good one to to seek out. She's, yeah, talk, no, I, walk in the talk or whatever, however you say it. She's she's doing yeah. the stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely love it. Funny though, when you're talking about like the small townness of it, sometimes yeah. it's funny. Like sometimes I'll post maybe a a less not like there's no like full nude self portraits on there, mm-hmm. but sometimes there is like a little bit of burying some skin. Yeah. I don't know. How, I'll uh, like have posted it, and then you are at the grocery store <laughs> and people that you know, like it's one thing to show the internet. It's so much more embarrassing when it was like your old Sunday school teacher or like <laughs> your neighbor. <laughs> You're like, I, I, don't, oh, I feel a little weird right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're all for being authentic, but it's like, um, yeah. Okay. Now I have to show my face. <laughs> yeah. And then now. they'll, I get particularly embarrassed if they act like the internet exists that I want to be like can we just pretend it doesn't right now like let's, it's like you both know what's going on can we just not verbalize here? this yeah like let's just keep the conversation on like the cantaloupes look good today right let's what's the season I, let's not let's not talk about my that's boobs really funny like, that's, that's really funny being, yeah oh man I love that So can you share with us, I mean, obviously I'll put all the links in the show notes for people to find you, but where's the best place for people to get in touch with you? I mean, my favorite thing is if you would, if you're interested in weekly shares, my newsletter is my favorite and you can find that either on my Instagram that it's in the link profile um, Mm -hmm. or on my website, it'll direct you there. And I'm rachel.larson.weaver on Instagram or just rachellarsonweaver dot com is my beautiful so yeah my newsletter is my favorite thing yeah mentioned but i like instagram a lot so yeah i I like it while the getting's good who knows how long we have it but for now (laughs) i i'm enjoying the present yes of the newsletter (laughs) i mean of the instagram of the instagram go away anytime yes and i think that's the thing to that acceptance of of the future too like we're not in control of some things and that can either scare the crap out of you or give you a tremendous amount of peace that it's like this acceptance of what will be will be Mm -hmm. and you know 
And I yeah. try to hedge my bets a little, like, mm-hmm. you know, the email list is that, or, but like, don't, we can't count on any one thing as being our, as being our savior. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be it. I can't control if Instagram becomes all stupid reels. <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it. Like I'm, and I'm yeah. just not, there's like important things that I need to be fighting. Yes. An algorithm is not one of them. Yeah. It's a like, losing that's battle. That's not going to be, yeah, that's not going to be. Can't fight the machine. <laughs> yeah. Hard pass. <laughs> oh, dear. Is there anything you want to share that's coming up or you want to give some things a plug? Um, well, at the end of October, I will be announcing the next round of mentoring sessions, which mm-hmm. is like more useful for folks in America than Australians, uh, because they're like an in-person or because there's an in-person component to it. Mm-hmm. But um, when this airs, I'll be in the middle of the retreat where people are coming to my hometown and staying in my childhood home and we'll shoot portfolio building sessions that are like catered exactly to the portfolios they want to be making that I've arranged all the shoots around their specific goals, but I'm going to be announcing dates for the next two sessions. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in, in doing that kind of work, if making images that show beauty, like across difference, that feel really rooted in presence and imperfection and joy in the mundane and all of those things that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and if lots of the people who are joining these are folks who are interested in learning more about long form and how they can bring that into their own business models, go come check it out and see mm. if it's a fit for you. Yeah. There's an image on your website. Um, I've done yoga for a long time and I had a small period of my life where I was quite thin and that was a very short period of time, but now I've gone back to how Yeah, I'm I had like three months of that myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that um, I'm, I'm hypermobile, so I'm quite naturally bendy anyway. Yeah. And there's an image on your website of a, a lady. She's pretty much nude, but you can't, I mean, she's got a leg in the spot yeah. you can't see her, her bottom half but you know she's doing this massive back bend and oh yeah in I was like lake. I found that so inspiring because it's like I'm big and you don't have to be skinny to be flexible you know like yeah. I feel like that that's this thing that's still in my head from the gym the gym days when I was instructing yeah. people it was like I don't know it was like it just reminded like I know this stuff like I know it. I live yeah. this life I know it but it reminded me like this thing that's still stuck in my head. So I just banged myself on the head yeah. in an attempt to get it out. Um, you know, just reminded me that anybody can be flexible. 
you know yeah. why why is this thing that you have to be thin to be flexible yeah. sorry that's isn't just... it that that's like it that's one of my favorite images that I've ever made I love yeah. that picture yeah I think it's divine just beautiful yeah but it's true but you're absolutely right like we have these ideas about he health and how it relates to body size mm -hmm. and they're frequently like just bullshit like mm. your strength your flexibility your endurance what you're do you know what I mean like all of these sorts of markers that are actually important like blood pressure or any of those things they yeah. don't have to be related to weight mm -hmm. but we put so much idea on like what the size or what a number says versus mm -hmm. like well what is it doing also you know then there's a whole argument too over like and you get to be loved even if your body can't do that because there's a whole lot of non-able-bodied yes. people that can't do those things yes absolutely i don't know like, yeah it's just not reserved for like gym rats <laughs> yeah yeah This was a really fun talk. It's been wonderful. If you ever, I'll have to do something new and exciting so then I can convince you to let me come back on. I'll be oh. like, oh, I've got this new thing to talk about. Let's have another conversation. Hey, let, let's do it again. Yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you so much. It's been so lovely speaking to yeah. you and all the best with everything. And I'm thank really, you. really happy to see you doing this stuff because it's so worthwhile yeah. is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> thanks. It's really, it was really nice talking. And thanks for giving moms and artists and mother artists and like a, a platform it's good. oh it's my pleasure I love it yeah. I'm just grateful people want to talk to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks for your company today if you've enjoyed this episode I'd love you to consider leaving us a review following or subscribing to the podcast or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum. Helen Thompson is a childcare educator and baby massage instructor, and she knows being a parent for the first time is challenging and changes your life in every way imaginable. Join Helen each week in the First Time Mums Chat podcast, where she'll help ease your transition into parenthood. Helen aims to offer supported, holistic approaches and insights for mums of babies aged mainly from four weeks to 10 months of age. Helen's goal is to assist you to become the most confident parent you can and smooth out the bumps along the way. Check out First Time Mums Chat at mybabymassage.net forward slash podcast.